Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Rob. Craig, you're sounding weird today. <laughs> What's wrong? I'm just kidding. Yeah, Craig Craig's is on sabbatical, out. but we got you. The you Rob. You got me. The You've Rob. got me. Rob if you're Tomberella. hoping for Craig, you, uh, you, don't, you don't have Ella, Ella, Ella. <laughs> That can be my... Uh, can you that change should, the dude, podcast song? That make, should be the you intro for you. Yes. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, and I can't wait to get sued by record companies for altering stuff like that. Although, I mean, Weird Al gets away with it, so yeah, he does. But he he knows but he's them weird, all. He's I know weird he gets Al. to call them up and be like, "Hey, man, you mind if I do your song?" And they're always like, "Yeah, man, that's cool." Anyways, how's it going, man? It's good, man. It's, it's good. Cool. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited for this too. It's it's going to be a really special time. Uh, you know it. You've been on a few times, but I, I get the sense that, uh, you know, I'm really sensing from our listeners that they want more. They want more Rob. <laughs> and so today is the day that that gets to happen. And that, I'm excited. It starts. Yes. It starts. I, I, I'm often like ready to like head out to Alpha or something like that. So this is cool that this is unhurried. This is, yes. we can just talk. We can hang out. Yeah. We can talk about stuff that never happens on this podcast. Exactly. Things yeah. That, I'll, I'll let you lead that, but, no, but things good. that Craig, you know, doesn't address right. that yeah. need, that need to be addressed like they Star do. Wars. And yeah. Well, that's Avengers the thing about Craig. Things. So here's the thing about Craig is he like, no one would know this about him. Um, I talk to him about Star Wars all the time and he's totally into it. He just, yes. I don't know. He, I think it's, I don't know if he, he, he's not embarrassed. It's like, he just kind of wants to keep that private. He doesn't feel like he does. that and this needs, needs to, to be come a part out. of this, his, Yes. yeah, th- that doesn't need to be a part of the way he relates with the church and stuff, especially on Sunday mornings and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he's yeah. more of a sports guy. He can do the movie thing, but he likes sports and yeah, that kind of thing. For sure. I mean, but he, he definitely, I mean, cause he's invited you to his summer, uh, Star Wars marathons, right? Of course. Yeah. Yes. So that's the thing that I feel like no one knows about. I don't even know if it's okay that we're sharing this about him. <laughs> he probably wouldn't want us to talk about this, but, uh, that's part of why I'm kind of bummed about him being out this summer is cause we're going to miss out on Craig's star Wars marathon. You well, know, it's ne- been the coolest time, thing. Well, the next time you need to ask him when he, yeah. when he's back, when he's back, is, yeah. cause he's, he's catching up on all the star Wars and the Avengers I know, movies. Yeah. He hasn't had a chance to, he's been so he's, busy. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the reason why he's on sabbatical. He needs to catch up on his, uh, his Star Wars. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, as much as we want to complain about him being gone in the summer, at least it's not the winter because that's when he does his Lord of the Rings marathon. That's right. Which is yes. Everybody best, needs to so. know about that. And he's the greatest host too. He he always makes a big yeah, deal he, of it, which is great. And he, you he would may- you'd be surprised, but he actually. <laughs> I, w- I was shocked when I showed up at his place for that and he was like dressed up as Elrond. I'm like, dude. Same. The same. <laughs> he had like a full menu. He was like speaking Elvish. It, it's insane. So <laughs> all the secrets of Craig are coming out. Anyways, this, this podcast is not about Craig. No. We wish him the best. We're praying for him as he's off and get refreshing and yes. whatnot. But, um, yes. yeah. So, uh, dude, I just want to say thank you for serving us on Sunday, bring the word and, um, and, and, uh, your sermon was really helpful. Just kind of opening up the series on brokenness and family. And I, I just thought it was really great. And so Thanks, you're man. talking through kind of the story of Abram and Sarai or Abraham and Sarah. Yep. I think that was really accessible by the way that you were just like, Hey guys, I might get this wrong. And cause we're all just like, yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah. And the name, name changes. When does the name change? There's so many, 
you know, elements of the story to get mm-hmm. right. Thanks for the name changes. It's like, oh, yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never remember when the names change. But yeah. um, no, it was really helpful just talking about yeah. how, you know, we sometimes look at these patriarchs like they're these amazing, perfect models of godliness and God fearingness. And yeah. come to find out it's God makes his covenant with people and those people turn out to be, you know, these people that are just like as us. sinful as yeah. us. Yeah. There's, yes. there's nothing special about them. They're dirty. And in some, in some sense, they're some ways they're worse than we would be. Yeah. And maybe that's a cultural sure. thing where, you know, in our culture, something is really taboo versus then. And, and they just give into that cultural sin, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, the, the constant refrain in these stories is that God is faithful. And so that's been helpful to, yeah. to have highlighted in here as well. But Mm-hmm. Got a few good questions. Yeah. Uh, one of which is specific to kind of the, the, the situation with uh, Abram, Sarai, and uh, Hagar. And the question is this. Can you talk about the Bible's teaching on polygamy? Yes. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a question that comes up at points whenever you're going through the Old Testament. <laughs> suddenly you see multiple wives. Yes. And- God's kind of using this and, and what, you know, what is that all about? Yes. Um, you know, polygamy is, was something that was, uh, all over the, uh, the ancient world. And so you see it in the the ancient world and across cultures. Uh, and it was one of those things that, uh, God never, uh, prescribes and it never goes well. Um, in almost every situation, uh, but something that he allowed and, um, and then uses his purposes actually through something that is, uh, just not the ideal. Yeah. Uh, and we know it's not the ideal because in in Matthew 19, I think it is when Jesus talks about marriage, he's pretty clear that the ideal was set up in Genesis, uh, one and two, when he creates one man and one woman and, and brings them together in marriage. And in the context of uh, Matthew 19, he's addressing divorce. He's not dr- addressing polygamy, but mm-hmm. um, and polygamy in that culture was uh, often financially motivated and uh, stability motivated, and it wasn't for the same reasons uh, that you see some modern day examples right. of polygamy, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, nevertheless, when Jesus talks about marriage. Uh, in the context of divorce, he was approached by some people that said, you know, is it lawful to divorce one's one's wife for any cause? And he says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And so what he's doing there is he's actually quoting from Genesis 2. And so right there, we we see what Jesus said. how he defines marriage. He defines marriage based on Genesis 2. Uh, the two, a man and a wife, shall become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, uh, let not man separate. And so there's, um, ultimately, that's how I would answer the question about polygamy is uh, it was not God's ideal. It wasn't the way that he set it up. Uh, it was something that he he used in, in a redemptive way. We see that in, even in Genesis chapter 16. Um, but it wasn't the ideal. That wasn't how he set it up in, in Genesis. And that's what Jesus said later on in Matthew 19. Yeah. 
That's good. Um, I, I think there's an angle to this that's really helpful to explore too, this assumption because there's not immediate consequences to something, then it must be permissible or right. it must be okay. And, right. and, and that's just not how the world works, nor is it the way that God seems to work. He, you know, in some ways, uh, and in some cases, we've seen that there are immediate consequences for certain sins, but yep. overall, I mean, we shouldn't look at situations we see in our day today and say that, oh, God isn't striking that person dead, so it must be okay. Right. Um, you right. know, we wouldn't, we right. wouldn't look, you, we wouldn't try and, uh, you know, divine from these situations what's what what must be morally permissible because it's, you know, because God hasn't immediately acted to end that situation. You know? Right. Or, or to try to find something. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a critical error whenever we go to uh, something that we see in a narrative of the mm-hmm. Bible. And then we take out of that some prescriptions Yeah, uh, where God must be saying to uh, Mary multiple wives because Solomon had hundreds of right, wives, right? Yes, and yeah. it's like, uh, no, that, that's, that's dis- descriptive, but it's not prescriptive. And, yeah. it's, and we get into a lot of trouble whenever we uh, mix that up. Yeah, so yeah, that's good. Cool. Well, thank you for giving some yeah, clarity there. For sure. Here's the other question, which was really good as well. Yes. How are we to interpret God's compassion for Hagar in light of Paul's use of this story in Galatians 4? Context is obviously critical, but I'm wondering where the compassion for Hagar as an individual goes in the symbolic, quote, casting out of the slave woman and her son who will not inherit. From from Galatians 4. That yeah. is a really good question. Um, and I have to ask... Uh, and you may not know this, okay. did a high school student or a middle school student ask that question? Because we're actually studying through Galatians. Really? I, in, I do not uh, know. At the square. I, I don't There's know. no way of knowing that. Okay. There are ways, but I refrain to allow okay. to remain anonymous. Yeah, well, let's do. Let's <laughs> keep it that way. Uh, that would be really awesome if a, a middle school student or a high school student asked that question because we're studying that. Oh, that's awesome. Regardless, it's a great question. So yeah. uh, the answer to that is... Um, so in Galatians 4, and I didn't get into this on Sunday because it's just opening up a whole other category of allegory uh, from, from Genesis 4. But, uh, but the, the question is asking about a, a, a passage in Galatians 4 where Paul says, casting out the slave woman and her son. And, and it's a reference to what happens in Genesis chapter 21. And so a few chapters later, uh, from what we looked at on Sunday, um, Ishmael is a little older now. He's a teenager now. Um, and then, uh, lo and behold, the promised child, uh, Isaac, that they're going to name is born in Genesis chapter mm. one. And, um, and Sarah, I'll just look at it. Genesis 21 says, Sarah said, uh, God made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, uh, who, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. And so they wean the child and then Abraham makes this great feast on the day that Isaac is weaned. And uh, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian in verse nine of, of chapter 21, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So in this day of laughter, they're gonna name the child Isaac, which means laughter. Uh, but then Sarah looks over at Hagar, the Egyptian, and, uh, and sees uh, the son of Hagar, 
Ishmael laughing. And apparently this isn't a good kind of laughter. This is, <laughs> this is a mocking kind of laughter. So not, not all laughter on this day is good. Uh, so in verse 10, so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son, Isaac. And it says that the things displeasing to Abraham, uh, and yet God goes, goes to Abraham and says, be not displeased because of the boy and because of, of uh, Hagar. Whatever Sarah said, do as she tells you, for through Isaac uh, shall your offspring be named. In other mm. words, there's this unique covenant that, uh, that I promised way back in Genesis 12 and said again in Genesis 15 and said again in Genesis 17, that from your offspring, uh, the covenant of promise is going to come. A nation is going to come. And, uh, and then he says, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring, because he's connected to you, because he's connected to the, to the covenant. I've got something in mind with him too. Uh, and then so, so Abraham rises up the next morning, gives him, uh, gives her a, a gift, and, but sends, sends her off, and sends her away, and she departs and wanders away. And it's a really sad story. It's kind of a repeat of what we see in Genesis 16 of this sad wandering away of Hagar. And then it looks like uh, Ishmael uh, might die of starvation. He's like a teenager at this point, but it looks like he's uh, not doing well. And then God visits Hagar again and comforts Hagar again and uh, tells her to, to, uh, to, to look up and to lift up the boy and hold him fast and I'm going to do something great. I'm going to make him into a great nation. And, uh, and, and God points her miraculously to water, and she drinks of it, and the boy drinks of it. And, and he moves on, and she moves on, and starts a whole other family, and a whole nation of people come from, uh, from Ishmael. Mm. So that's the story of Genesis 21. But when you get to Galatians 4, what you're dealing with in that is, is Paul is addressing a crisis of a false teaching that's taking place among the churches of Galatia. And the crisis is, is that he's taught the gospel, which is justification by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus only. And he's taught that to the Galatian church. And then these Judaizers have come in and they've said, Jesus is wonderful, but you also need to keep the dietary laws. You need to keep circumcision. You all need mm-hmm. to get, all you Greeks need to get circumcised, which is not good news for all the Greek guys uh, hearing that. Uh, <laughs> and you've got you've got to keep the Sabbath and uh, basically you have to keep all the Jewish laws. And so then Paul is saying, well, now wait a second, that's not the gospel. And so to, to a Greek audience that's been heavily influenced by Jewish culture, he goes to Genesis chapter 21 and he uses allegory uh, to get the point of the gospel uh, uh, back uh, into the ears of those who are hearing. And so what he says in Galatians 4 is he says, uh, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. And that's a what he uses. What he's using there is that's going to define according to works. So he's not talking about biologically. He's talking about according to the flesh means according to uh, works. It's kind of a works based approach to God, a works-based salvation. While the son of the free woman, he says, was born through promise. Mm. And that symbolizes faith alone. The promise is faith alone. 
And then he says in verse 24, now this may be interpreted allegorically. Mm. So Paul actually uses that word allegory. He says, in other words, uh, this can be interpreted as a metaphor and as a symbol. So allegory is a literary device. It's, it's where you take a character or a place or an event and you use it to deliver a broader message. Mm. And that's what Paul is saying uh, is uh, you can interpret Ishmael and Isaac and, uh, and Hagar and Sarah in, this, in the same way. Uh, Jesus uses allegory in all of his parables. Uh, you see Paul use allegory in other places uh, in the New Testament as well. And so, uh, so when you get to the end of, of Galatians 4, it says, um, uh, let me read it. It says, uh, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, according to works, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does scripture say? And he quotes from Genesis 21, cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. And what he's doing there, he's not, he's not opposing uh, Jesus' teaching on love your enemies. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not saying approach at a horizontal level the relationships in your life. And if somebody's, uh, you know, messing with you or messing with your dreams or something, cast them out, get them out of here or something like that. Uh, he's not saying treat people like Sarah treated Hagar. At one real level, that was wrong, the way that she treated Hagar. But yeah. he's saying everybody's familiar with this story. Do you guys remember what... what uh, how Sarah treated Hagar, how she cast him off. Mm. He's saying, cast out the teaching of justification with God comes through Sabbath keeping and circumcision and dietary restraints. He's saying, cast that off the way that like Sarah cast off Hagar. Yeah. Uh, as ugly as that moment was and, and even as sinful as that was in the way that she was uh, relating to her in Genesis 16, uh, now she's she's justified in Genesis 21. God goes to you know uh, Abraham and says, "Let her let her go." At this point, you know there's a maybe a line that's been crossed, and I've got a whole other plan. And now's now's the time for that to take place. But yeah. anyway, it's allegory, and so but it is it is a little bit confusing um, when whenever you get to Galatians four for sure. Yeah, that's good. That was really helpful, man. Thank you for. Uh for taking the time to walk us through that and yeah. for answering that question. For sure. Really good. Um, <clears throat> lastly, I, I kind of wanted to connect on just this whole series is dealing with the brokenness of, of living in a family with other sinful people that are all given yep. to their sins, their, their own kind of personal brokennesses and bring that all together in a family with uh, a husband and wife and children. And uh, sometimes, you know, the brokenness of that family is that yeah. there isn't, there isn't, you know, there's maybe been divorce or maybe, right. uh, you know, maybe a family member is left, maybe a, a husband or a wife left or, you know, there's so many different kinds kinds of brokenness that we can hear about that relate yeah. to family. Um, but I want to ask you, you kind of opened up on Sunday that you've been in ministry for a long time and you've seen all kinds of different kind of brokennesses. So right. I just want to ask you, why are you not surprised to hear stories of brokenness in families? You know, especially as you're bringing kind of these, these stories in Genesis, the, the narratives relating to the patriarchs of these, these sinful people in their sinful families that God is using and being faithful to, um, you know, why are those applicable to us, man? The, uh, I've never, t to answer your question, I, I've, 
I've rarely come across a topic in ministry uh, for as long as I've been a pastor where people are not more sensitive, um, where they feel their weakest. Hmm. Um, and, and even uh, strangely, it's also it can also be a place of, of, of pride um, uh, in, on this other side of family. But the topic of family um, is, is one that is just very difficult for people to grab hold of. And that's why I really like Russell Moore's book, uh, Storm Toss Life, which I was yeah. mentioning on Sunday, just because it's a, it's a way of seeing family through the cross uh, with all of, its, <laughs> all of its joys. I mean, there's so many great things about family, but then there's so much difficulty. There's real pain attached to, uh, to all of our families. And I guess for me, you know, growing up, um, you know, I grew up in the church, and then when I was about nine years old, I took this uh, 9, 10, 11, sometime around uh, middle school uh, years as I was heading into that. We, we kind of trailed off and stopped going uh, to church, and all through middle school and high school, I, I was really not connected to a church. So when I went back when I was a senior in high school, um, you know, it, it, God was, I, I can't go into all that, it was, God was doing something really, really unique and special in my heart. Uh, I went, went back to this church that I probably went, the last time I went to was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. Um, but when I came back, I assumed everybody's families were perfect. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of people come into church that way. I yeah. think they, they come in thinking everybody's family's perfect. Um, I've got divorce in my family. I've got suicide in my family. I've got a cousin, you know, I've got this cousin's done this, or I've got uh, you know, these temptations that are going on in, in, with my, with my children. I've got these rivalries going on. I've got, uh, I got a yelling match that took place right before church. Uh, yeah. or how, how about this? I don't, I haven't gone to church in, in weeks or months or years because, uh, of, of just, I'm not worthy because mm. of what's going on in my family. And so I think people approach, um, even a faith community, even a, a community that says, we're all broken because of sin with these, these, uh, perceived ideas that everybody's family is perfect. I did. And it took me a lot of years, uh, before that was dismantled. And I mean, a lot of years, I mean, I'm going, I'm, I'm pastoring. I can remember like going through seminary thinking I've, I've just got issues in my own life and issues in my own family and issues in uh, my own marriage and nobody else is dealing with this. And then I'm, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in seminary believing that. Then I got, I get out into the church world. I'm pastoring a church and I'm, I'm encountering lots of challenges and issues among leaders. You know, mm. it's not just, you know, people from the outside and people that have very little, uh, sort of gospel exposure. No, it's people who are leaders around me that are struggling with real issues in their, in their family. Uh, and then for my own life, you know, as I, I see that among leaders and people that I've, I've have so much respect for people who are mentors going through real, uh, real challenging things with their family. And then in my own, uh, life, I experienced that it's like, wow, um, family is hard. Yeah. Being a dad is hard. Being a husband is hard. Yeah. And I've, I've blown it in some areas and I want to grow and get better, um, so, you know, it, 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 it doesn't take too long uh, when you really scratch below the surface to find out that everybody's got, got real, a real mess in, yeah. in their life one way, shape, or form. So. Yeah, for sure. And for me, I think one of the most powerful aspects of these stories is, you know, 
these, these uh, interactions between God and people and God being faithful to these people, it's usually not people that are doing kind of the acceptable sins. It's usually the stuff that we would never let anyone know about if we right. had committed those sins. I think yeah. it's really powerful for us today because to your point, there's people that are coming in and we're going to church with that are sitting in the seat next to us or, um, you know, right. maybe you're preaching, you're looking them in the eye and you're, you're saying that there's hope. But it seems like the biggest wall that sometimes we have to get over is to convince people that their sin or their, their situation isn't outside the bounds of right. God's grace, you know, because yep. I yep. think that's the temptation. I really, I think that's the alienating work of the enemy to say that, you know what, you're coming into this church and you're listening to them talking about family brokenness and stuff, but that's not quite the brokenness that yeah. you're experiencing. Your brokenness is a whole new level that no one can relate to, yeah. but really I, I just, it's so helpful hearing you talk about, and even opening up personally about stuff in your own family and uh, your extended family of stuff happens and yeah. people are right. messed up and you know, we're all messed up. I'm messed up. Right. Uh, you know, so you hiding your, your stuff and, and, and believing lies about yourself. Like you'll never be uh, free from this stuff or there's no hope for, for you. Um, that's a lie. That, yeah. That's not true. Uh, and these stories are, are super applicable to all of us because we're, the story isn't about, you know, the level of sin that's acceptable before you're, there's no hope left. The, the point is that we're all brokenness. We're all on, on, you know, in this group of broken people and we all need God's help. We all need God's forgiveness. We all need God's God's grace. Uh, and, and so I just thank you for kind of where you're leading us in this series. And, um, just, it's not just something you're pretending to be on the outside of looking into, like, I guess I'll get my hands dirty with these issues, but you're, you've just always been so real and relatable and, and, um, just your ministry is very authentic. I appreciate appreciate that. I, I I think I've, um, I think one of the struggles that I have to this day that I, in, in relation to family, uh, can still deal with is, is kind of the thought, and you just hit on it. Um, you know, nobody can relate to me. Mm. Uh, that is a, that's a temptation all of us deal with and struggle with. And we yeah. bring that into, uh, to church. We bring that into a, a uh, into a place where we we're informed about the gospel that you know sin touches everybody in, in varying ways and yet we can look around and say I'm on an island yeah. nobody can relate to what yeah. I'm going through in my family I can't talk about it with anybody because nobody's going to mm. uh, you know nobody's going to invite me back or something <laughs> I don't know I, mean, I can't go back to the community group if I open up and talk about this area of my family or this past thing that took place yeah in, in my family, something that was done to me, mm-hmm. something that was spoke to, spoken to me that still affects me. Yeah. Um, some, some broken dream that was related to family or even some, uh, some harshness and some pain that I've experienced as a family. It's tough to talk about it because, uh, I don't know, sometimes, you know, it, church is a place of joy and it is a place of victory It is a place where we're overcoming things and a place where we're celebrating, uh, Christ's resurrection and that kind of thing. And, uh, but sometimes, uh, it's hard in that environment to, to really be real and honest with each other and say, you know what, um, I got some issues, man. I got some family (laughs) issues. Uh, I'm creating issues. I'm creating some, some, crazy <laughs> nonsense going on in my family. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, connected to me, man. So it's hard. Um, 
but we got to talk about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, thanks again for serving us on Sunday and looking forward to the next three weeks as we continue in this series. Um, what's the series called again? Uh, God's Imperfect Family. Yeah. And so last week it was uh, Abraham, and, and this week we're going to look at, at Isaac. Oh, that's going to be great. Isaac. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, cool. Well, that kind of wraps up the conversation part pertaining to the sermon, but you know, we kind of yes. hinted at, at the beginning that there's some important things that we need to discuss, mainly, uh, you know, our shared love of Star Wars and our yes. shared interest. Man, I have been waiting <laughs> for you to be on here so we can talk about this, but I thought what would be fun, you know, I thought of some like pithy one, one question conversations we could have, but I thought what would be even better is to uh, put you to the test. So we're going to oh, take gosh, a, man, I don't, I don't like we are going to take a Star Wars anything. quiz. Okay, okay. So here's the thing. Some of you might not care <laughs> for Star Wars. Some of you might not know anything about Star Wars. And but some you of you to. might absolutely hate Star Wars. Uh, but I would encourage everybody fun. to at least watch Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's Americana. Right. Okay? Yeah. Beyond it being the, the, the story that it is or, or even just the thing that it's blown up into since Disney took over. But right. it, it's just good classic uh, American movies from the last, you know, 40 years, really. Yeah. How can you relate to people, you know, who've not watched yeah. any Star Wars? This is just good pop culture. Plus, uh, Agreed. it... <laughs> Compared to many of the other things, thematically, there's not a lot in it that's questionable content. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, maybe you want to discuss with your kids of saying, like, you know, the force isn't real, just so you know. Let's <laughs> stick to the Bible about spiritual things or whatever. But beyond that, what you know, it's not okay to cut people's hands off with laser swords. Uh, yeah, so that's... But, like, pretty, blood doesn't go everywhere. Right, exactly, kind of yeah. It's just so, kind of this, this self-healing <laughs> so thing and a, and a lightsaber. <laughs> this is clean violence, people. It's, it's just bizarrely clean oh, in, that, in that sense. This is so, great. So, yeah. All right, so here we question? go. We're going to jump into this, and I didn't review the test, the quiz, really thoroughly, so I don't know if it's just the, the original three and then the prequels or if it's, like, all the movies so far. So we're just going to jump in and see where it goes. We'll do, like, the first... 10 questions because this could take forever. Are you ready, Rob? I'm ready. I have no idea what you're about to ask me. But sure. Well, I, you're about to... I, you always talk about Star Wars. I'm a big fan. Well, we're about to find out. So, okay. here we go. Question one. What command by Emperor Palpatine brought down the Jedi? What command by Emperor Palpatine... Yes. Is this a trick question? No, it's not. It's very straightforward. Because it's multiple choice. I could give you the choices, but I feel like that would give it away to you. I'm trying not to jog your memory as much as really quiz you. I thought it was something about, like, the Senate. I thought it was something about, like, uh, the, the Senate's going to take over. There's a, suspe uh, the, there's a specific name oh, oh, for there, this. Oh, there's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, coup, there's a coup d'etat in the yes. Senate. Yes. And the Senate now must, it's corrupt. Right. But this is specifically against the Jedi. What is, it's... Think of him in a hologram saying, execute, order, blank. Here, I can read through him. Order 66, order 77, oh, man, so order technical. 88, or order 99. Come on, man. This is this, simple. This is, if this was, in a, this was in a prequel movie, though. Yeah, this was Revenge of the Sith. This okay, was so episode three. 
Do you just want the answer? X- 66. Yeah, that's it. Is that it? That's it. Okay, good. I can't All believe right. you had See, to guess I've, at that. I've got the... Uh, Come on, dude. There are there are things about the prequels I, I, uh, I did not follow along okay. as well. All right. Well, we're, Jar Jar Binks we're seeing the and, truth. Okay, yeah, but that, it wasn't about Jar Jar. We can all agree that Jar Jar was a mess, but come on. I mean, you're, you're already letting me down. Right? <laughs> but I got the answer right. That's true. You okay. guessed, but you did get it right. That's okay. true. I could okay. be using my Jedi mind trick right now. <laughs> yes. All right, question two. Okay. Which ice planet is featured in The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, uh, Hoth. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yes. See, you know stuff. This is yes. good. Okay. Hoth. That's good. Question three. What was Darth Vader's original identity? Are you serious? Yeah. That's just it's, that's An- Anakin the, Skywalker. Yeah, that's it. Come I'm on, telling man. you, some of these questions okay. are easy. Some of them are. Or, or Annie. Yeah. <laughs> little, that, that little kid. Especially is. in episode two after she's gone. Little orphan Annie. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Little Annie is, uh, is, is, is terrible casting, man. It that's really is. That's not Darth Vader. Well, you could argue that I could pick the a big <laughs> Annie is not Darth Vader either. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Question four. Who killed Mace Windu? Oh, uh, Emperor Palpatine. Come on, man. Yes, but what is his dark side alter ego name? Darth. Ah. Uh, you are not a real Star Wars fan. This is a Darth, Darth Sidious. Yeah. Right? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a real Star Wars fan. Good for you. These are not trick questions. These are not trick questions. Okay, this one is a little bit tricky of a question okay. to ask. I've gotten all my. All, yeah, yeah. All you're right. doing good. You're doing good. Question five it says, complete the quote. You're going to have to think, episode one, Obi-Wan says this to Qui-Gon. The quote is this, the negotiations were blank. He has a smirk on, the negotiations were blank. Multiple choice? Okay, boring, terrible, short, or unsuccessful? Unsuccessful. No, short, dude. Seriously? You know, when they get down, he's like, the negotiations were short. Okay, yeah. And Qui-Gon's okay, like, ah, oh, you're... Oh, I don't man. remember that one, man. Dude, I'm sorry. come on. This is like simple yeah. stuff, okay, too. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I've only missed one, though. That's true. You're, you're yeah. doing well. You're doing well. Okay. okay, question six. Who really shot first, Han or Greedo? Greedo. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, Han did. Uh, Han did. Han did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've watched Rob. these these redos so many times. I know. It's true. That's the... It's Han. Han really Han, shot first because... The controversy is, you know, George Lucas went back in, had Greedo shoot, shoot exactly, first. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and took away some yes. of the edge of Han Solo. Yeah, that's right. Because when Solo, we first meet yes. him, yes. Who was Han Solo when we first met him? He was a scoundrel. He was. A, a kind of a villain guy. Yeah, for sure. Right? He was He was not a cool guy. He was yeah, not good. He's not nice. But that's the beauty of the story arc is he goes yes. from being so self-centered to then he, he's willing to sacrifice exactly. himself for others. That's right. There's a change in that character. Yes. And from a Christian worldview, we would say that the Holy Spirit has regenerated Han Solo. <laughs> And replaced his heart of stone with a heart of flesh. <laughs> okay. Yes. We're, yes, you Yeah, we're, we're being unfair to the Star Wars universe. Okay, question seven. Which of yes. these species is not furry? Wookiees, huts, Ewoks, or wampas? Uh, wampas. Oh, dude. Huts, 
Jabba the Hutt. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. Good yes. grief. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. Wampa is the big snow creature in. Okay. Uh, okay. That was on Hoth. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Okay. The Hutt, the hutt should have given You seem not away. thrilled with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get into more theoretical. Um, okay. Well, maybe we will. Okay. Question eight. Which of these classic Star Wars characters does not appear in Rogue One? Is it Princess Leia? Darth Vader, C-3PO, or Han Solo? Uh, Han Solo. That's right. Yes. Princess Leia was in there. Darth Vader was in there. I was Vader trying to think if there. C-3PO was in there, but he, he was in there. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. With his, was, no, I don't remember which part he was in. He was in there, though. He's in there, yeah. Okay, uh, question nine. Who is by far, I'm rephrasing the question a little bit because I'm not going to show you the screen, but... Who is by far the worst character to ever exist in the Star Wars universe? Okay, at first, uh, my first re- reaction is Jar Jar Binks. Of course, you don't okay, even need so to go farther it's than gonna that. It's going to be up it's there. It's Jar Jar. It would be... <laughs> I guess this is interesting, yeah. Next to Jar Jar, Next who would to you Jar say? Jar, this is interesting. Yeah. I would collectively put all of the Ewoks. Really? Take them out of Return of the Jedi. That's interesting. Okay, uh, I yeah. hear that all the time, and yes. I have never shared that. I've never I'm an thought, Ewok hater. Yeah, I've I never like thought them. Ewoks are amazing or like, wow, they contributed so much to this story. Look at the way they, you know, they were braiding Leia's hair, but then at the end they were basically willing to eat, you know, her friends. You know, it's <laughs> right. they're pretty weird things, but I never felt like they ruined the movie or anything like that. But I just want to hear from you because I, I don't disagree necessarily. I just have never agreed because I've never thought about it very much. But what are your reasons for hating on the Ewoks? Uh, I mean, as a kid, I liked them, but it, it just seems like a uh, a cash grab from George Lucas to, mm. to uh, I mean, do we really need I'm the literally, Ewoks? So, like, do we he literally is putting the unless, stuffed animal, uh, you know, merchandise right. in the movie. Do we need these things? <laughs> what purpose do they have? Uh, <laughs> anyway, so it's, it's a lot of furry creatures at yeah. the end of a yeah. wonderful masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, that's that good. I just think is a, a little bit overdone. Okay, that's so, fair. Yeah. yeah, that's totally fair. I get it. But but really, if it's just one character, it's Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, well, there's multiple reasons for that. One, his character is annoying beyond all reason. But two, his character is actually the one responsible for the Emperor rising to the level of power that he rose to, isn't he? He is, yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So. He, if you don't get that, just go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, and you'll see he yeah, that's right. basically hands galactic power over to the Emperor. Which, how did he even have, you know, it's just like, how did he know. be Jar Jar? Yeah, Jar Jar, okay. it's because he's, I don't know. Question 10, this is this will be our last question yes. today. Question 10, which movie uh, did Vader tell Luke that he is his father? Come on, man. I didn't write this. You're acting like I'm actually wondering. Like Rob, can arguably you tell me? the best Star Wars movie in Star Strikes mm, Back. Delightful. Do you, do you agree with that? Best I movie? think so. I agree with that. Now, do you, what do you think about the Last Jedi? Do you think it's a kind of Empire Strikes, Strikes Back? Because Empire Strikes Back wasn't popular when it came out. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought, ah, oh, this doesn't really fit. This is kind of a weird movie in the trilogy. Yeah. Some people thought the Last Jedi is kind of like that too. Like the Last Jedi. Ah, uh, it's not a fan favorite, but yeah, in ten yeah. years' time, we'll look back and say this is, this was, a killer movie. I don't know, man. I I've only seen it the one time in the theater, and I've been wanting to go back and watch it again because I've been, 
I've been thinking about it, of wanting to watch it. I mean, there are killer scenes in it, like the scene where what's her face goes to, you know, hits the hyperdrive in front of the, yeah. you know, the New Order uh, fleet and kind of sparks the the crazy light show through all the ships. And oh, that was so cool in the theater. <laughs> yeah, I literally so cool. opened my mouth and was just like, oh my gosh, this so cool. is what Star Wars is all yeah. about. Uh, but I don't have an opinion at this point. Okay. Not well, yet. Okay. I could in Jury's the future, but I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't hate it. I've heard a lot of people dislike it. Mm-hmm. I myself, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the greatest movie ever, but I thought it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had some questions about it, but you know, that's all, you know, besides the point. So it's anyways, good. yeah, that's good. Well, so what was my final score? Your final score? 70 uh, or 80 or 90? Yeah, I think you got 80%. I think you got two questions two wrong. Two wrong, yes. Yeah, which okay, it, it's not bad. They're, they're more fringe questions, so you shouldn't okay. feel bad about that. I'm going to kick so. myself over the hut question. Yeah, That's, you're going to. Okay. To be fair, I don't think uh, Jabba the Hut. I feel like Hut is a name, not a species. I don't, I don't think of him as exactly. Yeah, I don't think of yeah. him as like, oh, I he is a hut. That. Like, that's the species. Right. I feel like that's a family or like, I almost think of like, oh, the huts rule this planet. I feel like it's like, oh, cool. They <laughs> yeah, are, right. it's like a mafia, the name of the mafia family or something. Exactly. So, yeah, that's right. I'll have to do some Star Wars research on this. So, anyways. I get, I'll ask questions next time. Though. All right. Sounds good, man. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm nervous now, but that'll be good. Okay, cool. Last thing is this before we wrap up today, yeah. guys, is we have our summer classes starting yes. June 12th through July 3rd is for the first, uh, I don't know, period, the first, I don't know what we want to call it, the first classes, sessions, whatever. The first four weeks or Yeah, the first four weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can hop online and sign up and register uh, today. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and do that. We've got some really great classes coming up for that. Uh, we've got the Art of Parenting. Yep. We've got a Grandparenting, uh, Leaving a Legacy. Uh, we've got Making the Most of Your Life, a Biblical View of Productivity. We've got The Doctrine of Christ, Knowing Jesus in a Culture of Substitutes. And then we've got Calling, Exploring Your Future. So, really just five great classes to choose from. We're really encouraging you guys as we're taking a break from community groups this summer to engage with these classes and uh, yeah, just inviting everyone to come together and learn together. So it's going to be a good summer. We're great. looking forward to it. But Rob, thank you so much for joining me on here. Really excited for the next couple weeks at, at church as you unpack these uh, you, these stories of the patriarchs that are in Genesis and uh, looking forward to all that God does in our church. Great to be here, and I am too. Very excited and uh, very hopeful. I just I, I trust uh, that these will be weeks where we can come and be open and honest, and and uh, 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 you know be hopeful for yeah. the future, not just uh, and, and that we will be setting a bar. It's you know one of the, the challenges with a series like this is to kind of think um, uh, may or maybe be tempted to think well. Uh, maybe I'm not supposed to grow or, or change and, or, mm-hmm. and, and develop. And I, I hope what we'll see is that change does come. And yeah. It comes slow. And it comes yeah. slow in, in all of our families. But mm-hmm. but there is hope for change. Yeah, so I hope good. we'll see that in, in uh, weeks to come. Absolutely. So. Well, thanks, man. And as a reminder yep. to you guys, uh, feel free to text in your sermon-related questions to 469-573-2920. And we'll endeavor to answer those here on this podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.